0: Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey everybody, Todd Helms here with another edition of the Wingman Podcast from Eastman's. And I have Clay Hudnall with me today. And really excited to sit down and chat hunting with Clay and some things and maybe talk calls and... Fall strategy and basically what everything what what we've got going on for the fall. Clay, how are you, man? I'm doing
1: well. How about yourself?
0: Good. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah. What's uh what's it like down there right now? Tell it. Where where are you exactly? I can't remember.
1: So we are in the town of Westport, and Westport is a river town. Um, so we're about 35 miles northeast. Well. It's weird the way the river runs. I say northeast of Louisville. Uh, we're probably a little more east, but there's some north in there, so maybe east northeast. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody's watching the news, but Louisville's in some bad shape right now.
0: Yeah, they are. Yeah,
1: it's not. It's, it hasn't been good. Not that I really want to talk about it, but it's there's a lot going on down there, and we're on the outskirts. So we're about 30 to 35 minutes away from it. Um, but the call shop. It's literally 500 yards from the boat ramp. Me and my brother both live on the river, so we're really fortunate. Um, we can literally walk to work if we want to, and we get to wake up and see the river every day. So we're we're pretty blessed.
0: No, that is cool. That is really really cool. Yeah. So when you talk about the call shop, refresh everybody's memory. What call shop are we talking about?
1: Talking about field proven calls. So me or myself and my brother um, own field proven calls, and we're going on our we're we're at our tenth year this year. Goodness gracious, it's been that long. <laughs> Ten years.
0: Good for you guys. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. How, so? How did you? How did you? How did you two decide to start all that? I mean, obviously, you and your brother both have been around in the industry for quite a while. Um, yes, sir. I remember first seeing you guys pop up back in back with uh, Fred Zink back in the day. Um, that was kind of where I started seeing both of you around on some of those videos and. And different things and like i said that all of a sudden there's this field proven calls call lineup, and i've had the good fortune to blow a couple of those and i've been really impressed with everything i've gotten my hands on
1: awesome, awesome. yeah
0: yeah oh, but uh
1: way. so yeah we we worked for zinc calls for i think right around eight years um and you know fred and Don, you know it was a great place to work and it was just one of those after time i mean We've been away from home since we left for college, so you know it's not to go into detail, but things change. Um, maybe some some chat of some stuff that m- probably wasn't promised. Missing home, kind of want to get back to, to being at home. And to be honest, call making is really all we really know. Um, we we started with big calls. From, the ground level like field was the first full-time employee and i was the second um and you know good thing for fred he trusted us and we between field myself and don we kind of helped run sink call so we knew the ins and outs of it um and and freddie was doing a lot with avery that's when avery kicked off and the decoys were coming out and, and it kept you know it kept fred extremely busy with that so he entrusted us to, to take care of the call company so i mean we learned hands-on We dealt with all the buyers. So, not saying it was easy for Field Freeman to start, but when we got home, we decided, man, this is all we know. All we know is how to make calls. So, let's take on what what calls that we did with Freddie and maybe tweak some of the stuff that we like in a call. And then the buyers, you know, kind of knew us, so it was entrusted, hey, let's give these guys a shot. Because I truly think today, if you were to go and be like, say, I'm just, call me John Doe. I want to start a call company to get meetings with those dealers. It takes, I mean, there's a line a mile long to get in there and it, it just doesn't happen. And I think there's a lot of guys that do make stuff. Don't get into the retail stuff because it's so hard. Right.
0: Like, we're given right.
1: a chance and it, you know, it pressed every year. So we're, we're really fortunate for that. We're really fortunate, you know, for zinc calls showing us the ins and outs and us being a part of that. So we did a lot for them and hope, and they did a lot for us so hopefully it was a a fair trade off
0: yeah no i it's funny how in in talking with with different people in the industry just on the podcast in the last in just even in the last few weeks and episodes oh hold on uh there you are I pressed the wrong button. (laughs) I had a notification pop up on the screen and I went to shut it off and I clicked on it instead anyway. So we're back, but no, I think that's, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing to do to get into it and to have, have a foot in the door, like you said, really helps, you know, And, and you said something too, that, you know, I've talked with, I've talked with quite with a couple call manufacturers now on the podcast and everybody says the same thing. They all had, you know, they liked who they were working with or whether it was Fred Zink or whether it was, um, Tim grounds or whatever, but there was a, there was something that they liked in a call that okay. they wanted to be able to do that. They weren't able to do. And so now that they have their own processes, every, every call is a little bit different. Every call is a little unique. And, man, in today's world of online marketing, they don't need to be in storefronts necessarily to do well. Correct. You know, there's, there's companies out there that you'd never find in a, in a sportsman's warehouse or a Shields or a Bass Pro or a Cabela's that are doing just fine with, their, with the online market space.
1: You're 100% right, man. And that's, what's, that's funny you bring that up. And that's why there's so many different calls out there. Everybody, every call… Like everybody's got good calls. You can shoot ducks and geese with any call, but there's so many different styles. So what one style has may not fit you, but man, there's a list of call makers. That's why, I like, when we go to a show, our biggest thing is, like, if we're at an out of outdoor show, I got a lab wearing me out.
0: No, no, mine's at home. Otherwise, it'd be the same way.
1: Yeah. So we tell people like we get like, let's say NWTF. It's that's a big show. When a guy comes there, our first words are, man, try everybody's stuff out. Find what fits you. Like, I'm not going to sell you something that you don't like. That's what I love about talking to customers, any type of retail store. You can see those guys blow that call. And we've done it enough where it takes just a couple notes. You can tell if it's either too stiff it's too light, what needs to be changed. And you can fix it and somewhat dial it in for their style if it fits their style. Where they walk away like, man, that's the greatest thing in the world. Where if he was to order it from me or order it from Bass Pro, I'd say he blows super hard. or well, we tune all our calls that go to dealers on a medium. Well, if he's overblowing it, man, I, I hate this call.
0: Right. He can
1: have it dialed into him where it's stiff enough. Oh man, that's the best thing in the world. So we like that one-on-one interaction. That's why we do a lot of we do a lot of shows um, just to meet our customers, talk to them. And get feedback on what they like and what they don't like.
0: What's your show schedule look like? I mean, that doesn't probably start for you guys until February.
1: Well, so normally we have like a lot of dealer shows in the summer. Like that, that are involved with like calling contests and stuff like that. Everything's been shut down. Right. And and so our next big, like the next big one would be uh, like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yep. It kicks it off. And that's a nine-day show. And I forgot how many hundreds of thousands come through there.
0: It's, it's a it's lot.
1: It's every day. Um, they're talking about still having it. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not getting into it. I don't know how they can, but I, I'm afraid there's going to be people not show up. And, I mean, that's a decent expense for people that are going there not to have a good show. So, I don't, I'm not for sure it could change. But Harrisburg is going to be our first one. And then NWTF follows up. And then there's a list after that. So, <laughs> So, I'm not for sure. Some are some are canceling, some are some are not. So, we'll see what happens after November, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's same boat. Not necessarily for for wingmen, but we do. You know, obviously with Eastman's, it's a big show season starting. You know, right after Christmas. Yep. And it runs right through until yeah, it's it's early summer for for us. And obviously, Wingmen, we we're part. That's our that's our parent company. So we're right there in the mix, you know, and dragged me to shot show last year and, and do all that fun stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm with you not to get into the weeds on it, but it's going to be interesting to see how that, all that breaks down. It really is because they've
1: canceled. So the world goose calling championship was canceled. Yep. Last week. They canceled the world duck. I mean, those have been going on, I think 75 years or I don't yeah, know. I can't
0: long time, years. long time.
1: Um, and Those are great you know great events that the callmaker set up at, and you can you can talk to people I just I'm curious on how these like outdoor shows, unless they're just trying to make every penny they can I, I don't know, I don't see how it's gonna work out
0: yeah, I don't either and hopefully it doesn't hopefully we don't start a new trend of of no shows, you know right, but I think you know we'll see where it all ends up, but uh yeah. Well, get off the doom and gloom bandwagon for a minute, man. What's your, what's your fall look like? And
1: so it's, we've actually, we've just started <coughs> talking about it. What, uh, so me and Field have always been kind of like fly by the seat of our pants. <laughs> learned that. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going back to our zinc days. We learned that. So when we were filming and doing the DVD series for zinc calls, it's really hard to like set dates. And be like, hey, I'm going to be here this time. Because it doesn't always work out. Um, so we're always, like, sitting on go. Like, if a guy calls and says, hey, I've got them. You need to be here. We have that ability to do that. Um, now, we try to maybe set windows. So we always go to Nebraska, typically right between, um, either right before Christmas or right after Christmas. And we kind of dial that in um, as it gets closer. But excluding that trip, we pretty much, are sitting on go like I think it was last year or two years ago because um, we're both Yeti ambassadors. Yeti said, "And hey, we need you all in Oklahoma in two days. No problem. We're there. They're right? It was a great trip. Ducks were there. We just were able to do so. We have a lot of options, but we don't always go through with them just because of the way the hunting is. I
0: com- I completely agree. That's been that's that's been something that." When, when I came on board here at Eastman's being a big game company, you know, everything's planned out. We're going to be here on these days and here on these days and here on these days. And I kind of had, you know, let, let's see your hunt schedule. What's your hunt schedule look like? And I went, I don't really have one. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, what do you mean? And I said, I, you can't plan waterfall hunts the way you can plan big game hunts. You can't do it. And. It's, I, I'm glad you said that because now I've got a little bit of ammunition in the next, in my next meeting. <laughs>
1: it, it's, it's really hard. I mean, you're depending, especially depending on the location you're going. I mean, if you're, if you're waiting on a migratory bird, just, even if they don't have a huge local population, you're waiting on, you know, flight ducks or geese to get to us. right. Corner. You can't, I mean, if I could pinpoint this river, I'd only hunt the good days, but I can't. Right out there and get my tail kicked more often than we have great hunt. So, same thing
0: here. Yep, so if I could same pick thing it here.
1: Today, I would do that and then you know, probably work a little more or do other things, but it, it's hard with waterfowl. You can't,
0: yep, no, it's it is tough. And you got to be, you know, it, if you're not going to be in a blind in the morning, you need to be in a pickup someplace, you know, scouting
1: 100%. And yeah,
0: you know, and it was interesting. We don't have the eastern half of, of Wyoming opens this weekend, but. Where we are, we don't open till October. Okay. Um, for, for ducks and geese, and I was getting pretty excited there because we had we had a bunch of teal show up. Nice. And I'm like, man, maybe they'll stay. Maybe they'll stay. But we always get a blizzard in September, and it, we got one, and they're gone. You know, I, I went out the, you know, I just we just, my wife and I just had a baby boy. I told you that you and I actually had to put this podcast on hold because of that and i was i took her for a drive literally the night before we went into labor we went duck scouting nice because she's like i got to get out of the house i'm going nuts and i'm thinking well he's a couple days overdue maybe a bumpy road will get things moving you know so that's what we did and i tell you what we the spots i was looking the week before were loaded with ducks yeah we got that blizzard they're gone (laughs)
1: <laughs> and it's funny those teals. So our teal season's in here, and they move with a stiff wind. Like it, yes, they do. It was uh, about two weeks prior, so I can, I can kind of tell you if you can see. So I can look right out.
0: Oh, nice. River. So I was getting
1: my son ready for school. It was about two weeks ago, and my wife goes, Clay, look at them ducks." So I look, and it was probably a 100, 150, just a big old wad of teal. I'm like, "Hmm, that's." Interesting because normally we don't get them until the later half of teal season. Like, we're, okay. once it goes out, we're getting like what we see through here. Like, man, that's we still got a couple of weeks where well, we've had that cold snap here. Me and Phil have been a couple of times. We ain't seen the first teal, we haven't seen a goose, we haven't, I mean, we haven't seen anything. So.
0: Well, that's rough. That is rough, but you know, that that's the way it is. Like you said, you know, it's, it's the same thing here. You know, the openers like do I go, it usually coincides with opening a rifle for elk. Gotcha. You know, so it's like, do I go duck hunting or do I go elk hunting? You know, <laughs> I've gotten till, I've gotten till the middle of January to hunt ducks. I only get, get on elk for a couple weeks.
1: See, I've never, I'm never elk hunted. Um
0: You need to, on, man.
1: It's on my list to do. It, it really is. I, yeah,
0: I, it's, it's something that's a, it's an addiction. You know, it's like the guys around here in the office hate me saying this, but, when you can get on them in the rut, especially archery season, it's like a giant. It's like a turkey with antlers. You know, an eight hundred pound. The the similarities are 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 there. Yeah. There's enough differences too that makes it. You know, it's it's unique. It's its own thing. But yeah. when you start looking at behavior and the way they work and how vocal they are and how they respond to calling situations or don't respond to calls, yeah. man, it's like. Oversized turkey. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Yep. But um, yeah, they got the, a serious. Guys hate it when you say that, but it's I bet. No, I it's bet. true. It, it is true. So. <clears throat>
1: so how is the the new baby? Everything
0: going good? Oh, thanks for asking, man. Yeah, he's awesome. The little man. Little man sleeps all night long. Uh, we're we're pretty not pretty. We're extremely blessed. This is our yeah. third. This is our third one, and. And, uh, yeah, I finally got a, I finally got a little boy. I got two little girls that I wouldn't trade for the world, but you know, I was rooting for a son this time and it came through.
1: (laughs) I I get it, man. My first one was a boy. So field has two boys and my second was a little girl. So I, I get to have, um, I get to experience both. Um, I feel like she's a little moodier as a baby than what my son was, but that's, that could be the second child syndrome too. I don't think. Sure. I think we're. Oh, she can play on the dog now. Cam, don't touch the dog. There's germs. Like it's the first parent deal. So, but what's funny about the our little girl? So, from our family tree, my dad was trying to explain to me just what we have history of. Peyton is the first girl in like 176 years. Wow. So you're talking about? I said, well, talk. About- <coughs> Cause dad, when when, when, field, when we started having kids, dad talked to us like we were having like we were dogs. Oh, Hudnels only throw boys, and it was weird because he said <laughs> on that. And then when pregnant, and when Ash was pregnant, and just the way she looked, and dad goes, "I think you're having a girl," and I'm like, "What is wrong? What? That doesn't come out of your mouth. What happened to Hudnell throws boys?" He says, "I'm telling you, it's I bet it's a girl," and I'm like, "And he he called it. I mean, it was." I would have never thought, I mean, <laughs> just the way the history of, of boys have been down the line, it's, but we've got one, and she's definitely special.
0: Yeah, no, my, my family's very similar, I don't think it was the same run that you guys had, but when my daughter was born, on my, and my side of the family, my wife's family was girl dominated, so this is like the first grandson ever for wow. them, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty special. But, um, same deal, man. It was boy, 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 boy. And then I, we had a girl. And then my brother had a girl. And then we, I had another girl. And then he had another girl. And it's like, (laughs) you just don't know how that's going to work, you know? It's crazy. 100%,
1: 100%, man.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I, you, you take, you get your kids out hunting with you.
1: So we've just started taking Cam, um, we've taken him on some dove hunts. Cool. Um, So I'm not, I don't want to, Push him. um like i don't want to force him to be around i want him to ask and want to be a part of it um he's big into fishing like he's been fishing the last few years just being on the boat so i like i like doing a lot of crappie fishing in the spring sure praise at it but me i've got always got to be doing something so like when they move up on the banks and i can cash jigs like that's me So run and like spider rig i that's just it's not my style like sure I need to be doing something. So I've got Cam the last couple of years, of, which, you know, I, I don't know if you all crappie fish, but you probably want to hang out in every tree stump. And I feel like more time I'm unwrapping him, but I mean, it's the only way he's going to learn. And I remember dad doing the same thing with me. So, but getting him casting and he caught his first one last year on his own, threw it out, caught it. It was like a big deal. So I think. And hold, is he? He's he just five and a half.
0: That's awesome.
1: Six in January, and then my little girl is just fourteen months. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. We're actually we're gonna take him dove hunting this Sunday again. um, He likes he likes picking them up, looking for them. So it's I think we're on the verge of. I think he's gonna open up, wanna start doing some more stuff. Yeah,
0: that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I I think we started dragging mine around man weeks after they were born they were going on antelope hunts and it seems like you know my wife's got a picture it's not going to happen this year she didn't draw a tag but um with my two girls she's got it, it, pictures of holding an antelope buck with the baby strapped to her chest you know yeah, so yeah it's just what we do you know and it's kind of so your wife's a big hunter yeah my wife loves to hunt and it's kind of kind of it's a family deal for us so our girls are Right from day one, they were in it. It was just like you're—you don't have to do this, but you're going to go along, sure. you know. And one of the guys that we that I work with here in the office, he's got four kids, and like he said, he's got one boy and then three girls. He said, "I don't care if any of them turn out to be hunters. I'd like that, obviously, but that's up to them." But he said, "While they're in my house, they're going to participate in the North American model of conservation, yeah. so they have an understanding of how this all works." And then when they get out and on their own, if they don't, if they want to do it, great. If they don't want to do it, that's up to them. But at least they were raised with it. They understand it. So they're educated about how, you know, why we actually have wildlife in this country. 100%.
1: You know, so. Me, my wife, she's, she's a big hunter too. And like, she grew up mainly more like turkey and deer hunting from where she was from. There wasn't much waterfowl. Uh, But it's always kind of a joke now, like trying to divide up who's hunting when who, now that we have kids like somebody's got to stay back so like she loves the turkey hunt i mean i like turkey hunting but like she loves turkey hunting so she always gets opening weekend no matter what um last year i started bow hunting first or at least when it opened now this year she's kind of had a run so we kind of traded off because of some waterfowl season i always joke with it, it's my i'm like Man, I'm going to work. She's like, you're not going to work. Well, yeah, I kind of am. I mean, we're we're using calls, but I kind of tease her. But when waterfowl comes, she she understands like that. I get 60 days or right. 60 plus, and she, she <coughs> understands it. Like she she knew about it before we even got together. Same thing. She was watching watching us on some videos, um. So Good. she knows that that's that's part of the life. Like waterfowl is kind of a big deal. So I don't mind like. You know the go turkey hunt. You know because with my schedule, I have the ability I could go during the week. Where sometimes depending on how her schedule is, she can or cannot go. So if she can knock one out real quick and get over with, man, I'm all about it because I know she has that love for it.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's for us out here. It's it it has a lot to do with what we draw. You know, as far as big game goes. Gotcha. Because our seasons are. Well, I think they're probably pretty similar to what you guys have there as far as your our waterfall seasons don't don't really get good, and you don't get serious about it until later in the year and all right. the big all the big game stuff comes first. Gotcha. you know you got September, October, and then the, and then November where we I mean we've got some birds and you'll get out and bang on them here and there yeah, but it's a big game focus those those first two and a half months sure. at least. And then that's closed and done and over with. And then it's on to it's on to ducks and geese and, and pheasants, a lot of the upland stuff. I don't I know a lot of guys out here like to hunt upland in October. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually gonna go out, we're gonna chase some sage grouse around this weekend. You guys are chasing doves, our doves are gone. <laughs> but uh, um we've, we've sage grouse is open, so dog will get a little bit of work, but it's like a family deal. We'll pack a picnic. Go out, you know, you kind of know where they like to be, where they like to hang. We'll make a loop, you know, throw the kid, two girls can walk and the, the little man will be in a backpack and we'll go make nice. a loop with the dog. And yeah, you know, have a picnic and do that kind of thing. But if she can get those hunts in earlier, like the turkey or if we can get some of the, her tags filled, yeah, then it's like, I don't have to worry about it quite so much trying to get hunts filmed later in the year in november sure well, like i said obviously if, if i get a big we filmed an opening day episode two years ago where we just happened to have a flooded corn part of a c- cornfield that had flooded yeah. and it was an irrigation issue The the irrigation drain tiles were all plugged and irrigation water stacked up and it flooded this corn wow. totally random yeah and it just happened to be coincide with with an with opening day, our second our second split opener. So later in October for Ducks, and we were covered up. I mean, it was amazing. That's awesome. That, that's a pretty rare deal for us right. out here. It's usually going to be snow on the ground, and and you know, you hunt Nebraska. It's the same yep. time of year. It's the same type of stuff. You know, cold. The colder and snowier, the better. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So when you get, get to do that family stuff earlier in the year man i I'm all about that i i love i love that stuff you know
1: so how how old's your oldest girl like what's what's the you go.
0: she's five nice, yep she's five years old same as your same as yours yep. just started kindergarten Yeah. yeah it's it's a trip man it it really is
1: it's, it's a fun age man to see just how he's matured from four to five I feel like I'm kind of talking to like a teenager like being able to just have a He's pretty sharp, so we can have some pretty in-depth conversations. And it's, I'm thinking, man, like, you're pretty sharp for a little kid. Now, hopefully, he keeps that up. I think he gets that. He and he's pretty. He's he's actually really intelligent. So, um. I'm pretty blessed. I think he gets that from his mother. I was just
0: gonna say, I know mine gets that from her mom, no 100%. doubt.
1: <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he gains any treats street smarts, he'll get that from me for sure. Yeah. But,
0: yeah, yeah, mine, mine knows how to blow a duck call, and that she got that from me. <laughs> there you go. That's, great. that's We great. went for a ride the other night, and uh, just to get out of the house and. Ran across a, a lo- or found this lone bull elk out in this out in this alfalfa field south of town, and I said, "You should get out and get in the get in the ditch and, and do your cow call thing at him. See if he comes to you. You know, she's just squeaking at him with her mouth. You know, yeah. and he didn't come, but he looked up. He took a couple steps in her direction. It was, she really? went, Daddy, he's coming, he's coming. That's but sick, yeah, you know that that calling aspect of things." I don't know. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it was the same for you that calling animals fascinated me from about the time I was my kid's age or your son's age. It seemed like that calling, it seemed like I grabbed one of my dad's old calls and I don't know, I think it was an old back in the, you know, one of the old ones, you know, and, and it, I just started blowing it and messing with it and going with dad and man, I remember the first time I actually called in a goose. It was like, I was probably eight, nine years old. And it was just me doing the calling. And they, this lone goose is out there flying around and he comes in and like almost lands in the decoys. And that was it. I was hooked from day one. You know, I don't know. What, what was your experience with that?
1: So I agree. The call. So calling has always been a major part of like, I would much rather call them in and let somebody else shoot them because I know I have fooled them. Like, if you can fool them, like, shooting them is just a bonus to me. But to get them, especially in a spot that they don't want to be, like, to fool, to fool them in their own game is, is pretty rewarding, in my opinion. What got us started? So, my dad, um, he, he was a pretty pretty avid waterfowler. Um, and, man, back, back then there wasn't many people – doing it like there there was today so dad took us on our first um it was like a first big water duck hunt and it was on a reservoir um down in just outside of bowling green kentucky where my dad was from and i remember he had three duck boats hooked up together a massive three four hundred decoys set that they would leave out and just rearrange and i remember the day we got or the morning we got there as we were pulling, pulling the boats up and getting everything set. You could hear the ducks across on the, what they called it the wall, like a rock wall. And that's where a lot of them would root. And you couldn't hardly talk or hear yourself think, i out of the duck. It was cold. It was like right, right after Christmas. Um, we had broke ice getting out. So the ducks typically would leave the lake and then come back. Well, when stuff was froze, they just basically would get up. And all what areas were around had ice. So they automatically came back to the lake there was more ducks than i'd ever seen in my life i was 11 so three years younger than me so and that's what's crazy about a younger brother they always get to do stuff earlier than what the older guys or the older brother gets to do but so i was 11 he was nine or eight and i remember all those ducks and it was the most phenomenal duck shoot we'd ever seen and that like hooked us on big water hunting like Big sets, duck boats—like it was just such an eye-opening experience. Where now, you know, traveling—I've had the ability of hunt so many different situations, and I like them all. But there's something about a ton of decoys on a river system or a big reservoir that doesn't really hold them. You're just trafficking birds that come in. It's just that's our bread and butter. That I think that helps us in other situations because you're having to read how the bird reacts, especially, like, on this river. There's no reason for them to sit there. Like, it's not – we're not like the Mississippi. There's no wing dams or or stuff, sandbars that they get on. They're traveling (laughs) for spot to either rest, or a lot of times they just keep passing you because they're they're still going to travel. So understand that we learned to, like, read birds at a very early age and understand, you know, from the calling aspect um, how they reacted to either decoy them or blow them out. So it was uh, it was a cool experience. And that big reservoir hunt is what got us hooked. Um, and then the calling side, we're trying to blow a duck. You know, it's, some people still struggle to this day. My dad, he can kill ducks, but if you heard him blow a call, you'd be like, man, he's terrible. He just knows when to blow it and when not to blow it. Well, field is the type of person, he picked it up at an early age and was good, like really good. So, I've always been blessed to have a great caller in the sprint. Now, when you're young, you won't blow everything 100 miles an hour, but once we started understanding how to blow, how to work together out here, man, nobody ever goose hunted when we grew up. We were literally the only people goose hunting, and now there's everybody goose hunting, so right, right, but having you know that calling aspect is what drew us to the waterfowl side of it watching those birds react and that's why we love turkey hunting so much yep. that's why like me on deer hunting i would rather hunt the rut when i can grunt to them or rattle at them because outside of that man i'm just hoping i'm in the right spot like i it's it's not me Like i it, i want to hunt something that will respond to what i'm doing to it
0: yeah i I, com- I completely agree completely agree
1: has drone or you know driven us to Working for call companies and now owning a call company, we we love that calling aspect. As other people that that want to buy duck and goose calls, that have that same reaction, they 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 love that calling aspect.
0: Yeah, I don't know. There's something about it, like like you said, whether it's whether it's a turkey, whether it's a flock of ducks, whether it's a a geese, an, a bull elk. I mean, whatever, With a white tail buck that you rattle in. You know, there's something about fooling that animal. By sounding like them, yeah, man, I, I just, I'm with you. It, it's, it's almost like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna do jump, we're gonna go jump shoot some ponds. I'm like, yeah.
1: See, now if you're a shooter, that's, that's perfect, right? A guy would rather probably shoot something. I want to shoot them close. I don't claim to be a good shot, but for a guy that, man, I bet I could kill that duck at 50 yards. That's not for me. I want to call right. him in. But there's, there's different styles. There's people that want to. I would rather go and shoot pass shoot stuff. Right. I'm knocking it because you're that's your deal. You're a shooter. Like I understand. Me, I'm a caller. Like I wanna I wanna get them as close as I can and then hopefully try to shoot them, you know.
0: And I think that's what's <laughs> great about hunting in general, but especially waterfowl hunting, is there's so many ways that you can do it and be successful. Correct. You know, there's days out here when you might as well just leave your calls in the bag. Because no matter what you do, you're not gonna break those birds. Uh, um a lot of stuff, you know, we're hunting rivers like you are. Obviously, we're not hunting a big river like you are, but smaller rivers. And those birds want to they want to trade up and down that river all day long. And if they're just flying along looking for buddies, then you can you can suck them right into a big, you know. i I've, I've I've in my experience out here, a big spread works better than a small spread. Just they see ducks and they're like buddies, and they dump in. You can call to them a little bit, but yep. there's other ones, man. You it's like you can read their body language. They're lined out, head out straight, and they're just on a mission. Yeah, like don't even don't even waste your breath on that on that 100%. bird because he is gone. You know,
1: I know that look often,
0: <laughs> but a lot of times when they're doing that too, they're they'll be they'll be low enough, you know, and the rivers are small enough. Where if the guy wants to shoot that bird, he can still kill that bird. Cause right. it's in range when it goes over your decoys, but he's not gonna stop. He's sure. just gonna he's just gonna fly past you. We get a lot of that. Yep. And yeah, if I had my druthers, I'm with you. I want them, I want a feet down, beat down man. I want them backpedaling in the decoys. Yep. But that's not always the way it works.
1: Oh, no, you're 100 percent right. You
0: know, and you're hunting if you're hunting public land or you're hunting even small pieces of public le- p- private land that are got lots of pressure all the way around them, kind of in the situation we're in out here. Um, you kind of take what you, what you get, sure. you know, and then you get those handful of hunts throughout the season that are just perfect. You know, yeah. where, whether you're hunting a dry land set for ducks, or you've got a set, you've got just an absolute melt for geese lined up, you know, where everything works beautiful but the rest of it's kind of just grinding out and taking what you can get, you know,
1: 100%, man, I, I, I get it. And then that, sure. that's what, you know, me and my brother, we like hunting public, um, just because, well, that's what we were raised on. So it's kind of home for us. Um, so anytime that we get to go to a private spot, that that's really good. Like we don't really take it for granted. We're like, I like the I like the easy one. I like, I love having an easy hunt, but, if I had to go anywhere on a daily basis, I'd go out here and fight this river because it's one reason it's home. Um, I love hunting home. It's probably the worst hunting I've ever been, but it's home. But when you do smack them and the, the reward or the yeah. feeling is so much more than going out to a spot and I'm not knocking people that have it, but when you're, <coughs> and you're seeing 25,000, 30,000 ducks using this area, your odds, you're like, man, it's probably going to be pretty good where on public. There's so many people that hunt public, I feel like just the reward is like, man, that's, we got them today. Now, we may get our tails kicked tomorrow, but, man, we got them today.
0: Yep, yep. Great- and, and you're on the Illinois River, right? Ohio. The Ohio River, okay. Ohio River. Yeah, I, there's so many big rivers back in your neck of the woods that I can't keep I can't keep which one you guys are on straight sometimes, but.
1: yeah, there's quite a few.
0: Yeah, they all, and they all have birds. They all have different, you know, different types of hunting on them, but. I do, um. You know where my brother is in Northwest Iowa? He's right next to the Mississippi. Oh, nice! And so he's got he's got some pretty good duck hunting there. Now he's ate up with the whitetail bug, so he doesn't duck hunt like he used like he used to back <laughs> in the old days. But um,
1: well, even in I, I can see why in Iowa, man, they got some giants.
0: No, uh, he kills. He's killed some big deer. Yeah, he's <laughs> killed some big deer. But I keep I keep giving it a hard time. I'd be like, dude. Soon as that rut was over, I'd be I'd be in a boat on the on the Mississippi. I mean, man, he's got. I think it's pool. I can't remember what pool it is, but it's the largest wintering population of canvasbacks in North America, right there. Oh, just down from La Crosse, Wisconsin.
1: I know. Yeah, I, what pool is that? I know where you're at. Yeah, they uh they stack them up in there. I think big time. I think, uh, I want to say Travis Fields' brother-in-law, Travis Mueller. I think he's talked about hunting up that that pool up that way. Just canvasbacks were just—you could walk across them. I crazy. know
0: it. I know it. Just a dream, you know. Just just a dream for a Great Lakes boy like me. That uh, the only time I ever seemed to saw a canvasback was after the season was closed. It seemed <laughs> like you know. <laughs> oh man, it was like yeah. we had a we had that was the weirdest thing up there in Michigan. We had a protracted season on cans and on pintails, and you just didn't see hardly any of them anyway. But it was like, I remember sitting on this, we had big natural lakes up there, kind of Canadian Shield type stuff where I grew up, way up north. And the diver hunting in in November could be pretty spectacular. You get out on a big rocky point and you run a line of decoys off, and then maybe put some puddle ducks next to the rocks or something, you know. You kill all kinds of different stuff, but I'm watching these, I'm watching these half dozen birds come in low to the water, and it was like, f-16s you know just zoom. and i'm looking at these things and they're coming out of kind of a snowstorm yeah and they're coming in and i'm thinking i think those are big mergansers <laughs> and they landed right in the decoys and i went they were all big bull canvas packs. oh my god like six of them there might have been like one hen in there yeah It season was closed i couldn't shoot cans and i'm going to this day i think that's the only canvas pack i've had in range you know what i mean
1: okay no
0: Crazy, crazy, we, but... We
1: get a small window where they come through here and it's normally like the middle of January, um, somewhere between like second, third week. It's a small window where it may be three days, it may be seven days where, where you get them, but it's a small, small window. So we try to take advantage of them if we can.
0: Right, right. It's different how different flyways, even migration patterns within different flyways are staggered. You know, right. it seems like out here early we get what's left of the teal we usually get some shovelers thrown in there um you know i'm I'm sure we've shot some cinnamon teal they're just not full they're just not plumed out yet you know awesome but because you see them in the spring when they reverse migrate you see all all kinds of cinnamon teal around gotcha and it's like we've got we've got to have them in that first part (laughs) of the fall they just don't have that just don't have that color you know and uh but it's like so November, I started hunting really, really hard in November. We still have a pretty good population around of some of those early early birds. We get some gadwalls out here, man, that by that time of year, those Drake Gaddies are like prime. They are so beautiful.
1: They are they're pretty nice.
0: But they're only here for a couple of weeks and then they're they're gone. Yeah. By Christmas, they're long gone. Really? And Yep, and then they they will have been replaced with the big push mallards usually. Gotcha. And our mallards will stay, you know, pretty much all year. But then it, when it gets real cold down into those single digits and below 0, that's when our that's when all the golden eyes show up. Nice. And if you want to shoot a con, of course they're everywhere, you know, and I I joke I'm like, don't shoot those things, you know what I mean? They're they're everywhere. But the one you're always the one everybody's always looking for is that Barrow's. Yep. You know. And I tell you what, unless you really know what you're looking at to be able to pick them out on the fly, cause they're I coming bet. through. It's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. You know, you're looking for that crescent instead of that dot on their cheek patch, you know? Right. Yeah. But what I do like- you guys, what do you guys experience as far as like that goes? Like I said, we, we have, we get those mallards and that, that's kind of the bread and butter like at, like that late season, like you experience in Nebraska yeah. And there's be on bigger on bigger systems, you'll get widgeon thrown in the mix. They'll stay all winter, yeah. and some divers. And every now and then, somebody'll you know you have, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine killed a canvasback, big bull can late. Um, seems like everybody somebody shoots a wood duck every year, yeah. so way late, which we don't have hardly any wood ducks out here anyway. So that yeah. any any anybody gets one of those, it's a treat.
1: That's probably a prize, yeah. So that man, out here. So where we're at down here in Kentucky and and being on this river, it's all weather bait. So to say, consistently, primarily shoot mallards, and up until last year, mallards and black ducks is what we typically shoot. Now early, like the first uh, opening weekend, you may there may be some widgeon in there. There could be maybe some teal, um, maybe a few wood ducks could. We typically have a decent amount of wood ducks around here, but it's mainly mallard. So, depending on what it is up north and where we're at, we're kind of out of the Mississippi flyway. Like we're in it. If you were to look on a map, but we're not in it. Um, so, we get some of our best hunts is like if Maryland or Pennsylvania, it's like a freak snow, snowstorm, and it pushes out stuff that way, somehow they get pushed our direction and they hit this river, and then they... I mean, we've shot Old Squall out here, which is wild. Uh, they've killed Bran out here. Um, we've shot Ross geese out here. Um, so, but if it gets super cold, typically our January is when we rely on seeing like a good amount of divers. We've had days where we've shot redheads, canvasbacks, bluebills, ringnecks, and not even shot a mallard. And literally the next day, shoot all mallards and not see a diver. It's just, you net. You never know what you're going to see, and that's why you almost have to get up and go every day because there's days that you'll see, you can see 500. There's days you don't see a duck. And what's crazy about it, it's like kind of the pool system of the Mississippi River. You don't know where those ducks are at on this river. Right. If they were three miles up or three miles down, I may not even know they're here. But if I'm out there every day and they're passing through, the day I'm there, lights out man so it's hard for us to just get on this river and run and scout because they don't sit on the river you're looking for areas off the river like power plants or big so there's a few places down here that have like big bottoms that flood typically a roost birds. but you got to rely on did they put water in it that year or has the river been up and has it already got water in it so there's a lot that goes hand in hand so It kind of sounds lazy, and it's not. It it is, and it isn't. To to say, if my buddy shot them three miles upriver, if I was to go up there the next day, they're probably they're they're gone. They're either on me or past. So to chase them, you're always kind of behind them. Where here, there's certain areas like there's a mile up here that we got big power plant. If I know there's ducks and geese going in there, I may ease closer to that. If they if we've hunted them and banged on them a couple days. Instead of going back up there, we're going to move farther down because them ducks may travel three or four miles and now they're in a new area. They act like new ducks again when really they've only left there, but they're looking for a new spot. So you kind of beat them up the same birds, but in different spots of the river. And until they get and then when they're tired of getting beat up, then they'll travel the next big power plants down below Louisville, which where we sit, we're like 18 miles from Louisville um, where I'm at right now. So they may travel. 18 miles and find a new roof and new home and we're just we're banking on that that trickle system of hey let's have all these power plants keep loading up or these big reservoirs let them keep loading up and there's not really much ag here and that's why we don't really hold a lot of birds it may take them two or three days where they are like man there's not enough food here right let's keep moving and that's that's what we bank on like if you we always joke if we could pick the great days we would but you got to go out there because it's the days that you would think are the worst—cloudy, no wind—you may shoot thirty or forty. The days where north winds, bright, crystal clear, good migration days, man, you may not see it. Like if you can't pick it, it's—it's it's so hard and it's so frustrating. But again, it's so fun.
0: Yeah, it's just waterfall. You know, and it, its we've got we've got quite a bit, quite a bit of ag here. <clears throat> Honestly, that's why we have birds, because um, we've got rivers that don't freeze, <coughs> excuse me, we have rivers that don't freeze, they stay open pretty much year-round, and then we've got ag, which is pretty rare for the west, you, know, you have agricultural zones where then it's surrounded by nothing, <coughs> excuse me, but um, that, it, it's interesting, it's the same way I, I remember one, I had a, we had a hunt last year. I took out um, a couple of guys that are local that do a lot of work with a lot of youth. and do like a mentorship type deal. I got yep. to take a drink. Excuse me. And I'll never forget, we had a young intern here in the office who's now full time. <coughs> and he said, hey, you want me to film? You want me to go and film for you in the morning? I said, you know what? No, nah, I don't. I don't think so. That you know, the birds are stale. I said, it's. I said, I'm just taking these guys out to kind of get to know them more yeah. than more than anything.
1: Uh huh.
0: <clears throat> I don't think we're. I don't think it's going to be anything special. Yeah, we shot 15 Drake mallards in like 10 minutes that morning. Oh you know, God. it was, it was ridiculous. Got back to the office and I was back here by like nine o'clock in the morning. You know, and they're going. Well, was that bad? And I was like, no, we were done that fast. <laughs> I mean, it was, in, it was insane. And, of course, kicking yeah. myself, no camera. You know, it's like, yeah, great. Good, good job. But, now, uh, yeah, whatever. It, it just goes with what, what you were saying. You can't predict it. You just got to yeah. go.
1: Yeah, you, you have to go. And that's what, uh, that's what I love about it. I can wake up. It's like, to me, it's like opening day every day because I wake up here every day not knowing What's going to come down this river, and it's that's what I love about hunting here. It's not like I can sit out back in my backyard and watch all these mallards. Oh man, all right, there's there's ten thousand here, or no, there's a couple thousand. I do not know what's coming down. I don't know if it's going to be puddle ducks, diver ducks, big flights of honkers. It's it's a it's literally an opening day every day here. That's cool. That's what I love about it.
0: Yeah, that's that's neat. We get into we get into some stale times here, you know, just with our weather. A lot of times we'll get a big storm in January and in November. We'll push a bunch of birds in. And then in the weather'll get nice again. It'll be cold, but then it'll get it'll get nice, and the birds just don't do much sometimes. Yeah. You know, we had probably fifteen thousand mallards here locally at the end of the season last year, and it was bright sunshine and in the forties every day. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're feeding all night long in in a cornfield. So you kind of got to, again, you kind of got to have some spots lined out on the river where they're coming back to, yeah. because they're going to drop in at seven 8 o'clock in the morning. They're going to feed all night. Yeah. And then they're going to come back to the river and loaf. And man, if, if you're in one of their if you're in one of their day roost spots, it can be phenomenal. But if you're not, it's tough. They don't fly around during the day because it's too warm.
1: That's what happens. That's what yeah. happens here. So, the best the river, the best when the river's good is when everything around here is froze. Like, all the ponds. So, where where me and Field are from, it's big horse country out here. Like, we can go up the road and as you start driving to Wobble, it's horse farm after horse farm after horse farm. Well, all them horse farms have nice ponds with aerators and just beautiful short grass. Well, That's a goose is like, yeah. that's the greatest place for a goose and a lot of duck stock in there. So just like what you said, we could have a hard freeze and it pushes stuff to the river. We get any type of thaw, a lot of people think, oh, they left. They didn't leave. They just spread out. They left the river and they went to that new water or they're sitting on all them ponds. And it takes more cold weather to shove them back when when you got the only open waters there. They got to go. So that's what, if if we have like mild winter, our hunt is not good here at all. It's, yep. it's
0: really spotty. Yep, it's the same for us. It was we did a hunt with Jim Sobeer from Sitka last yeah. year and that that was how I actually got your name. He I he gave me some people to get a hold of for the podcast and you were one of them. But Just it was yeah, man. Oh. Yeah, I love Jim. So much fun to be to be around and and to hunt with and yeah, yeah we had a, we had two awesome days and good. And, but it was it was one of those deals where it was kind of like I don't know, you know, come down and, and we had to plan it. Well, it was where we had to make a plan or it wasn't going to happen. Right. And fortunately we were able to find a, find a field that had a bunch of honkers in it. And we got, it was like the day before was nice weather, you know, and the day of the hunt, it was crap. It was oh. ideal. And we got birds migrating. We were trafficking birds. We had birds that wanted to be, we were on the X for some. It was That's awesome. Man. It was awesome. It was, it's yeah. a, it was an awesome hunt and, and it was a fun video to shoot. And then the next day I called down and one of the guys down here was like, dude, I don't know what's going on, but a bunch of birds showed up today. And I was like, well, yeah, because we, we, wa- we were on the other end of that watching them leave, you know? Right. And so the next day we hunted we hunted uh one of the river spots that I have here, did a water set, and it was I mean the river's pushing slush and it was it was ugly, but man, the birds were there. That's awesome. Yeah, we had a good time with him and, and it made for made for a great hunt and <clears throat> you know, fun relationship building time and uh got a good YouTube video out of it. So it was it was cool. It was cool, yeah. but one of those deals that you just don't know, you know. It goes
1: back to what we said. You got to go,
0: man. Yep. You just got to go hunt. You You just got to go hunt. You got to get
1: out there and try.
0: No, you're exactly right. You know, it's like I'm looking at what we've got here right now and and, uh, coming up for the opener, and I'm looking at it going, there's really not much around, but probably going to go out anyway (laughs) because you never know, you know. You're right. You just don't know. You might get a, a a bunch of late teal that decided to hang out somewhere north of us, and yeah. oh, I guess it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness!
1: That's great, man.
0: So, what do you guys got in the works? I mean, without spilling any beans or anything like that, what do you guys got in the works at Field Proven? What's coming up?
1: So, we released um, we re- released a new goose call last year, and so we we're weird. We kind of released stuff as. <laughs> I say we're weird. We try to use our products before. Like, we try to tweak them and get them where we, where we like them and where we think our customer would like them. So, we don't make a call just to add a call. We try to fill a void in our call lineup. Like, something that we think we need. Instead of just, man, let's just come out with a different call. We don't want to do that. Like, it's hard to reinvent the wheel. So, we're trying to fill a void that our lineup doesn't have. We've got a call out. It's called the No Name, And really it had no name we had them ready we hunted with them had them ready we took them to harrisburg and it was like unbelievable the people that loved it and it kind of turned into a joke like hey man throw us some names this and that so it's a short use call kind of like our matrix but it's got a very small mp so we're kind of known for having um more like a flared mp and we like that um like when we worked at Zinc, it was just comfortable for our hand. Now, changing from when we worked at Zinc to when we started field proving, we we shortened it down a little bit, or it wasn't as player, but it was still pretty big. Because you get a lot of people say, man, it's just too big for my hand. Right. If, if you're a grounds caller, grounds has really short end pieces. And guys that blow that all the time, they like that feel. So if you get something that's bigger, it feels like you're holding like a baseball in your hand. And I I get it. Um, because when we switched to the small end piece, it felt so different to me because I'm used to that flared in. Um, but we hunted with it and uh, made some tweaks, kept shorting the mouthpiece, and put the fully worn guts in that, that uh, Fields won the, some world and international titles with. And just like, man, the sound quality that we had was phenomenal. So like I said, we released it at Harrisburg, and, and we we couldn't make enough of them. Like, we took a decent amount, and by Wednesday, we're sold out. We kept one, somebody at the show had bought one, we're like, can we keep this, and we'll just let people blow it, and we were taking orders, and say, hey, you know, when we get back, um, so we went from Harrisburg straight to NWTF, and we said, when we leave NWTF, we'll ship you your call, and the amount of stuff that we had to build was phenomenal, it was <laughs> it was so awesome, so that's that's been our newest, uh, the call with no name, and that's the dealer's if you were to search, call with no name of dealers, that's, that's what it's called. So so we've got some uh, duck calls in the works. <coughs> just trying to add something um, a little different. Um, it seems like the real raspy calls, I feel like, have – it's kind of a trend now. Like there's a lot of guys that just want super raspy sounding calls, and we don't really have that in our lineup. We've got a little more just cleaner um, smoother style calls, so we're we're trying to mess around um, with that. We get teased all the time. Hey, when are you gonna make a cut down? And we're not. Like we don't we don't know cut down calls. We don't want right. calls to have it, you know. Um, so we kind of get teased about that. But like I said, we don't want to make something that that we don't have any knowledge of. It's like we get beat up about spec calls. Any field have just targeted specs in probably 15 years, like. We don't want to make a call that we really we want to be able to use it and make it the best that it can be in our eyes so we're, we haven't made a spec call just because we don't really hunt them we've got nowhere to really go target them to make sure you know do the R and r d like man is this really what we want want to release when there's a lot of great spec calls out there are we kind of handicapping ourselves or you know yeah i mean I'm sure we could make some and sell them but in the back of our minds we can't sell something to somebody that we really haven't tested or believe in or think is the best and we're not going to do that to our customers like we want every call that we use we and so what's cool field tunes all the goose calls i tune all the duck calls we tune them calls if they were going on our lander that's why we offer a lifetime warranty if you're not happy with it send it back we're going to find a way to make you happy with that call and that's that's kind of been you know what field proof is known for is the customer service and a lifetime warranty and everything's American made
0: that's awesome no that's awesome I know that I, I really respect you guys for that because I think a, I think what you said a, a lot of people whether it's call companies or whatever they see it they see a, a spot in the market and they they want to they want to be involved in it right whether or not they have the expertise to be or the experienced, or whatever you want to call it, to be—I guess—to be experts at that, or, or to, to, to give a good representation of that. So I really respect that. You know, I—it would be the same way if if I was in your shoes, you know, or, or similar, trying to talk about, you know, hunting big water diver setups, right? But I haven't done that since I left the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and we just dabbled in it then. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not like these guys that hunt these big rivers or these big reservoirs and they're hunting layout boats or they're hunting, in, you know, the Salt Lake down here in Utah and they're, they're experts at it. You know, yeah. you want, you yeah. want to talk to somebody about that? Talk to them, not me. You want to talk about
1: trying to, so we make turkey calls too, but that'd be like me trying to send you, <coughs> hey man, I got some diaphragms I bet you could elk hunt with. I just told, I've never elk hunted, but guys say, man, they're just turkey calls. Okay, but there's got to be attention, like.
0: Yeah, they are, and they aren't. You know, they're, they're, there's there's difference. there's differences. Much like
1: me, could we make out calls and sell them as out calls? Maybe, but then again, we know nothing about it. Like we don't, we don't want to do that. That'd me, me. Like I said, trying to send you, hey, try these out for elk hunting. Like, man, these are turkey calls. But the, you may get the average Joe that doesn't know any better, and that's money in our pocket. We're not, man. We're not those people. Like we want to, we want to make stuff that we know we believe in. We know you're going to be happy
0: with. Yeah, I respect that. I do. I, I think that's really cool. I, I do. So I got to ask you. We're we're sitting in about an hour, and I'm, you and I can keep going, but I, I know up, we, we both got stuff we got to do. Um, but I got to ask you this question. I ask if they, I ask everybody that's been on the podcast this, if you could only hunt one bird one way, what's it going to be?
1: If I could only hunt one bird one way. It would be, it would be the Drake Mallard on this big river system. That would be, if if that's all I had, that's what I would do.
0: I kind of figured that's what you're gonna say. Just um, to judge it by what you said earlier.
1: Yeah, that would that would be that would be it for me.
0: Yeah, I you know it's it's funny everybody's got got their differences, got different ideas on what they like, and you know I talked to some guys from. Arkansas and from Louisiana and different places, and they're talking. It's got mallards and timber, mallards and flooded timber. Sure. And they'll go so far as to talk about exactly what flooded timber is, which I think is cool. um Other guys, it's like, give me a field hunt, you know, whether you give me corn mallards in the corn or geese in the corn or yeah. or whatever. But I had a feeling that's what you're going to say. I, I appreciate that. I really I, do. Yeah, I, there's
1: just something about being out there, man. I, I, I love it
0: yeah you and know, it, you know what you like sort of
1: up, like timber hunting is phenomenal you know dry field hunting there's big bunches of ducks and i I've, I've you know been a part of all of it and love it but like you said the question was if, the, if it was the last bird and place i could go and it, it would definitely be right out here at home
0: yep that's you're a man that knows what he likes i, I, I admire that
1: <laughs> buddy yeah buddy. no that's
0: cool well, you if you guys get out this way this year. Give me a holler, man. We'd love to love to go sit in a blind with you, hang out, and maybe we can talk Jim Sobeer into, into jumping in. That'd be kind well, of fun.
1: I'll I'll say something to feel. We'll try that because we're typically out that way, so we'll see yeah. what we do.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, like you said, it's it's hunting. You never know until you go.
1: That's right, buddy.
0: All right, Clay. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time, man.
1: Man, I appreciate you having me. It, uh, it's it's been a pleasure and I, I enjoyed it. I really did.